everyone. Welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in this episode, I speak with Helen, who is just over one month sober. Helen noticed that her drinking was slowly escalating to a level that she was not comfortable with. She found herself making a drink whenever she was bored or lonely. So when she was left alone for 10 days this last month, she made a promise to her son that she would not drink. She is learning that having accountability helps her stay the course. This is a prime example of the type of work you need to do in early sobriety. Identifying why you want to drink in the first place is a huge step in the right direction. Helen, I am so proud of where you are, and I can't wait to see what life has in store for you. This is Helen Sober. All right. Welcome, Helen, to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Good, good. Yeah, I am so excited to have connected with you. You are early in your sobriety. How far along are you? Do you like, do you count days? Do you like to talk about that? Yeah, no, I totally count days. I'm about 33 days um, today. Yeah, very early days. Congratulations. Yeah, but that's no small feat. I remember those (laughs) first 30 days, like just wanting to get there was just huge saying I've done it for a month, you know, it was like each milestone just builds Absolutely. Yeah. 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 30 days is the longest I've I've um, gone about drinking for a very, very long time. So yeah, it feels like a big achievement for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. No, I think you know, accounting remained quite important for me for a little while. I know, I know my 40 years, I know my 50 years and so on and so on. So yeah, keep, keep it going and kind of finding it a good tool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So do you want to talk a little bit about what led you to where we are today um, as far as, you know, what your relationship like was with alcohol? Would you like to talk yeah. about that? Yeah, of course. Um, I've been thinking about this, and I, I kind of think I've been all different types of drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> not, not kind of one type, and it's merged and changed and, and whatnot over the years. But um, I think um, my story is pretty similar to a lot of people. I started drinking quite young, just really sociably with friends. Um, I think when I was younger, we, we were all binge drinking. We were totally drinking far too much, and we either stopped when we fell over or puked mm-hmm. on ourselves, and that's, that's gross in itself. But um, I wasn't unusual. I was kind of up with my peers. We were just, you know, parties. Um, we had quite a lot of garage parties before we were old enough to go to clubs and things. And that was it was kind of fine. And um, looking back on it, my drinking was on the lower end of the scale. So I'd totally been drinking and doing all of that stuff. But I did have one friend who, looking back on it, was a, you know, a super heavy drinker and really needed um, people's support. So I was often the one to put down my drink and go and help her, um, you know, sober her up and make sure she was safe. So I kind of got the label as camp mother a little bit. <laughs> Um, which was it was kind of good for my drinking. I knew how to, you know, I, I knew when to put down the drink and go and support her. Um, so I don't think I was completely out of control at high school. Um, go on to university. I worked, um, you know, again, everyone drinking, a university culture in New Zealand. I went to Dunedin, um, Otago University, 
drinking culture is pretty heavy. Um, you know, kids are drinking most nights a week um, in their flats and out in the clubs. So um, I actually got a job in a bar, which was both a positive and a negative. So positive was that I was, you know, working while most people were partying. Um, and we had a really good culture at the at the bar I worked at. Everyone was pretty, you know, responsible. We all were there for a purpose. Um, but it also led to Sunday staffies. So that was when our, us hospital kids let our heads down and, you know, went, went wild. Um, again, I don't remember being particularly out of step with my peers, but, you know, university heavy drinking was, was definitely around. Um, and that kind of came to a, an abrupt end for me and my now husband when we got pregnant with our first boy. Um, I wasn't super young, but I was 23. So while all my friends were still... Yeah, partying hard out. And this is when Facebook just got introduced, which wasn't very good for the old mental health because I could see all of my friends on the other side of the world going raves and, and parties yeah. and things. And we were at home looking after babies. Turned out to be two two boys, um, one after the other. So we were at home raising raising babies. And Steph, I can't remember drinking almost at all. And probably in that five year period, I think we we didn't drink at home. Like I had the odd night out with my girlfriends, but. Yeah, for five years, drinking just wasn't a focus for me. And my, my husband has never been a heavy drinker. He's he's a type of person that just have one, one beer in the sunshine and that's kind of enough. He's a bit tired. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like it, was, it was kind of interesting. I was, when I was thinking back on it, I'm like, yeah, I had a really big stint of really not giving a shit about alcohol and not letting it be a big part of my my life. Um. Which I think is cool. It kind of gives me a little bit of strength. Like when I when I need to put down the bottle, I totally can. And I I'm living well, well again. So that's that's a good thing. Um, but I think also kind of being such a young mum and kind of out of the workplace and out of the party scene while everyone else was getting started with their careers and getting you know going out and partying. By the time I did get back into the workplace, I was really hungry for it, and I really you know I wanted to go out and I wanted to kind of make up for lost time. And I think, yeah, I think that's probably one of the darkest periods of my drinking. I think because of that, I was I went searching for heavy drinkers, and we kind of went searching for people who wanted to drink midweek. Um, and the type of job I got into it was kind of work hard, play hard mm-hmm. culture. Um, and adding to that, probably one of my, I'm not sure if closest friends is the right word, but one of my drinking companions was my boss. So he would often just like. Ah, uh, have you know, have another drink, stay out for another couple of hours, you know, don't bother coming to work tomorrow, it's no big deal, like a complete enabler. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, and um so yeah, we just kind of looked like that for a couple of years. Um, but kind of associating with other heavy drinkers, I started to realise that they were they were drinking for different reasons. And I'll I won't use his name, but I'll include my boss in that, like, you know, broken marriages, really unhappy homes, like it's kind of dark reasons. And, yeah, I think I, I don't remember having an epiphany and kind of going, oh, shit, this isn't, this isn't good. But I do remember getting an awareness that this kind of drinking is kind of sad. Like, I really wanted, I'd rather be out in the clubs and I'd rather be dancing with glow sticks with my girlfriends and stuff. But this kind of drinking was really, it was miserable. Um, so I think I had... It's, again, it was probably positive and negative, but a bit of insight, and, and that's kind of where my drinking started to come home because I didn't want to do that sad drinking anymore. I thought that was just a bit, a bit too depressing and pathetic. Um, and 
yeah, so kind of bringing their bottles of wine home. Again, it was like super positive at the start. Like, I mean, my husband would have like an in-house date night. We'd have cheese and crackers and, you know, so we didn't have to get babysitters and we'll just sit up and have amazing conversations. Like I do remember some really positive times. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned, my husband has one and he's done. And I just I just want to keep going. Mm-hmm. I just want to keep going until that bottle's done. And if the bottle's done, I'll have a couple of whiskeys. And all of a sudden, I'm really drunk. And my husband's gone to bed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd kind of gone to this another little mis- misery spiral. Um, and again, that didn't happen immediately, but I've been um, I've been listening to Alan Carr's How to Control Your Drinking, and he talks mm-hmm. about the pitcher plant. And man, that that metaphor, that you know, analogy is so powerful for me. I just I see over probably the last five to seven years this progression from nice bottles of wine with my husband through to sitting on the couch, never having enough, always wanting that next drink. Um, and, yeah, so I, I think it was a slow progression, but I was definitely going down that pitcher plant um, in, in a way that I'm, I, you know, really unhappy with, really didn't want to continue doing. Um, and, again, I kind of popped back into the a story I heard quite a lot on podcasts. You know, COVID hit and it gave me an excuse to drink more and more. Um, at the time I was in a, in a job I was pretty unhappy with, I had a you know, um, not much to do. You know, some people we got frantic in COVID. I got kind of put to the side. Mm. Um, and then we made, which I, I believe is an awesome decision, we, but we decided to move towns. Um, so we've moved into a smaller smaller town um, where my husband grew up. So he knows lots of people and he's kind of jumped back into his social scene. He plays basketball and he's doing all this stuff. I'm lonely. Yeah. Um, I know I know a couple of people, but I don't have any really good girlfriends. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. I think we we've probably only been here about seven eight months now. But the first six months, I was drinking. I was just on the couch, not feeling miserable, just on the couch because I had nothing to do in drinking. And so that a bottle of wine one night a week turned into three nights a week. Those whiskeys to sneaking back in. I had a pretty pretty big job. I was a contractor, program manager. Um, contractor I had to travel I had to get on flights the next day and go and run workshops and I was hungover and you know I, I performed well you know I kind of I, I did it I got through it but man it was tough and I kept I kept waking up on the morning having to catch these flights I'm like the love of God Helen <laughs> what are you doing you've got this like massive presentation to make like pull yourself together woman um and I just started thinking like you know how capable, how amazing can I be if I can ditch the booze? Like, I do have a big job. I'm a great mum. My boys are amazing. You know, my marriage is in an excellent place. Like, there's no reason for me to be behaving like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, sorry, it was such a long story, but it's, no, it's kind it's of, great. it's gone in waves and flows and kind of all these really strange um, places over the last 25 years. But, um, yeah, I just think the last the last six months were just like, yeah, no, no, not cool, not cool anymore. I just don't, I just don't want to sit on the couch drinking for the rest of my life. I think it's so unhealthy. Yeah. So you say it's kind of been a realization that started over the last six months, as far think, as getting yourself to the point where you're like done. Yeah. What did, what did think, the last six months look like? Tell me a little bit yeah, about that. Cool. I think I was pretty aware I was drinking too much in COVID, but kind of so so was everybody else. So. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of totally let, my off, let myself off the hook. Um, 
Yeah, I think it just came in the last six months. My butt was on that couch so much. And I'm a really active person. And I'm an, I'm an extrovert. Like, I'm a quiet person, but I like to be around other people. And just the thought that, like, man, I, I, um, I monitor my eating, like, calorie intake and stuff. And so you have to capture all of your drinks. And I look back on my weekly eating chart, I had five nights drinking. And it may have only been two or three drinks a night, but that's <laughs> a lot of wasted calories, a lot of wasted time. And a lot of hangovers to deal with. Like I'm getting older, you know, even one or two glasses of wine, I feel pretty dusty in mm-hmm. the morning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm so glad I've never experienced a blackout. I've never become aggressive. I don't even think I'm that annoying when I'm drunk. Um, my, my husband, he calls me Frank the Tank for some reason, but it's more about because you can't really tell. Like I've had quite a lot of drinks, but I'm never the messy you know, yeah. kind of crazy person. So it's so easy for me to do quiet drinking at home. Like even even now, um, hubby and my kids are just like, oh, you know, I'm telling them, I'm 30 days sober. This is amazing. They're just like, oh, did you drink a lot? Yeah. So this is total. This is 100 percent for me and how I I felt about my drinking and where it was mm-hmm. going. Um, yeah. So no kind of no massive rock bottom. It was just kind of this realization, just like, you know, girl, you've I've got too much going for me and this is not this is not where I want to go I think I've got a lot more to I've got a lot more in me and I'm you know capable I'm a capable person why am I why am I turning to alcohol yeah yeah so what's your exact sober date you're 33 days in uh my sober date is the 29th of December it was the day before my son turned 16 oh okay wow (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing that your kids though don't no- notice the contrast between when mom was drinking and mom wasn't so yeah. that's just a very I haven't ever really spoke to anyone who could say that you know that they yeah. I mean that takes a lot of self-control what do you think if you were to guess or maybe you know were like kind of the main reasons you were drinking like what emotions were behind the reasons that you sat on the couch in the evenings and and got on with it that's such a good question I mean it, the last six months I was 100% loneliness just not really having things to do and people to see but before that it was um I, I told myself it was the reward at the end of a hard work day my kids are awesome I don't kind of get that mummy stress but I have I have called it mummy's medicine in the past I really regret that I think buying into that mummy wine culture is such BS mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah I think I mean I me knowing me Steph I probably think up an excuse a different excuse every night I've had a hard day I've had a great day I've been for a run <laughs> I want to sleep well and I, now I know that's super counterintuitive but yeah yeah any any excuse kind of went for me um, yeah. And, you know, if I had an open bottle um, and if I could moderate to the fact that I'd only have half of it, I had to go the next night. Having a bottle in the house that was open was just unacceptable for me. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So your husband, you said he's always been able to take it or leave it type of attitude around alcohol. When you told him that you were going to quit drinking, what was that conversation like? Was he surprised? Was he like, tell me about that. Yeah, he was. Um, 
He wasn't surprised because I've been talking about it on it. Like I've been sober curious for a little while. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I've been asking him like, did I drink too much? You know, that kind of question. So I don't think he was surprised. Um, listen, he's just one of those husbands who, you know, if you ask him if you're, if your butt looks fat in jeans, he's like, no, you look amazing kind of thing. So I kind of got the same response with alcohol. Like, I don't think your drinking is that bad. You know, I think you're fine. Um, my 40th birthday is coming up. And he's like, what are you going to do at your 40th? Like, you know, and um, he was he was attempting to be supportive, as he always is. But it was kind of like, I don't, you know, I don't think you're hearing me, honey. Like, I'm I'm giving up. <laughs> oh, um, and kind of had to explain to him. And this, this actually was a big realisation. I Through talking to him, I realised that I probably was hiding my alcohol. So when I said to him, I was um, drinking like, you know, three to four plus a night, depending on the night and the reason. And he was just like, no, yeah, I'm like, wow, okay. Um, and we got out of it. We had some friends here the other night um, and I was sober. I had some um, alcohol-free wine. They were guzzling the beers and the wines. And one of our friends um, saw our whiskey and said, like, do you, Johannes, um, do you want a whiskey? And um, when he pulled out the whiskey bottle, which was in a Jack Daniels box, it was gone. There was a dribble, a dribble left in it. And Yo, um, my husband, Johan, he was just like, hello, <laughs> what's this? And I don't, I kind of, I said to myself in my head, like, I never really thought of myself hiding alcohol. Because um, he would see me, you know, I'd have it out on the couch kind of. But putting it back in the box, I think, was a deliberate decision really maybe unconsciously but I was I was hiding alcohol so pulling out that empty JD bottle was just like hmm. yeah, there's some so evidence think, right yeah totally so I think he's kind of over the last year 30 days himself just kind of going maybe yeah maybe she was starting to lose control over this and mm-hmm. yeah but um, no he's he's been super supportive oh that's great yeah it's funny because I have I live about five hours away from family my drinking probably like yours um, got really bad around COVID, but it's always like looking back now, it's always been not good. Like I've always overdone it. And um, my mom struggled with the fact that I quit drinking because I had a, a problem. I mean, she just was like, what do you mean you have a problem? But she wasn't yeah. around it. You know, when she'd come in town for a weekend, she thought that's just why I drank so much because we were hanging out and having fun but I don't sometimes I'm someone who likes to, this is what's crazy. I like to be in control yet. I would drink and ride that line. It was almost like a weird challenge, right? Like, let's see how much I can drink, but then I'm also going to try to stay in control. And it's like, why put yourself through that? Um, But that's kind of how, so I can totally relate to people kind of being surprised when you're like, uh, I'm done. And they're like, Oh, well, I didn't know it was a problem, but that's yeah. the thing. Like if it's a problem for you, it's a problem just because you might not look like the typical alcoholic or, you know, you're showing signs of, you know, physical problems from drinking. It's still like, if it's a problem for you, it's, it's a problem. And that's like my yeah. biggest thing that I tell people all the time. Like I've had, I had so many people in my life who I confided in at times that I was worried about my drinking. Like, I feel like maybe I'm drinking too much. And they would say to me, oh my gosh, no, you're fine. Just take a week off. And I just think 
if they would have never said that, if they would have actually just listened and said, you know what, if you think this is a problem, I'll support what you want to do, what, but they didn't. And so then it just, you know, I automatically thought, okay, maybe I'm just exaggerating, you know, maybe I'm being dramatic. I can handle this. So I think it's important for people to understand when someone comes to you and they feel like their drinking is affecting them instead of forcing your opinion on what you think is a drinking problem, it's best to just listen and ask them what you can do to be Mm. there for them and support them. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, finding, I mean, podcasts like yours and others have been such a lifesaver because Mm -hmm. I started, it's it's so curious, just wanting to listen. And to be fair, a lot of of them are, you know, um, people who have been struggling with blackout drinking and really heavy binge drinking, but every now and again, you just get the person who's just like, yeah, it just wasn't my vibe. I really, you know, for whatever reason, just didn't feel like myself anymore when I was drinking. And those are the types of stories I've been really trying to um, wheedle out. And, um, I, I, you know, kind of the purpose of you interviewing an early sobriety person. I was also, you know, listening to people who've been sober for five years plus and amazing, like women super superheroes to me. But um, I just couldn't couldn't relate. I just really needed to hear a bit of, yeah, kind of maybe all, all drinking to the person that's happening to is extreme, but kind of those less extreme versions. You know, I was, I was highly functioning, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was just it was starting to just creep into this really not dangerous physically, but dangerous emotionally and mm-hmm. you know um, mentally space for me. And I think there's a lot of people. I I have shared with a couple of friends um, that I'm you know thirty days and feeling great and. You know, four out of five have gone like amazing. I really, I think, you know, I could probably take a break from alcohol too. I think, you know, a lot of us are sitting down and having a couple more wines on a Tuesday evening than we ever thought we would, you know, a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? Yeah. And I think, once again, the pandemic had a lot to do with that. It just escalated, it made it normal. And now we're trying to rebound from that and be like, wait a minute. That's not normal. And we're all trying to get back to, to regular life. And now we all have this like baggage of hangovers and, you know, kind of this addiction to alcohol because now we're using it for more than just having fun, but to drown out boredom and emotions and all these other things that we were going through. I mean, we all went through a hard time. It affected all of us in some way you know, and it was a lot. And I think it was the easiest medicine at the time for all of us, especially globally, like everyone has yeah. access to alcohol and yeah, it was yeah. just not, not a good time. Yeah. We had our <laughs> alcohol stores um, around here in New Zealand, dropping those off to people's homes. You know, it was just, yeah. um, just I'm not sure if it's the same mm-hmm. where you are, but um, our friend was talking about that and um, you know, he could get a bottle of a bottle of whiskey, a bottle of rum every day if he wanted, drink himself into oblivion, and no one was checking. No one was checking, you know, with their kids in their house, you know, how obliterated are people getting in there? Um, yeah, it just it seems madness now. And I think it does. Also, you know, hearing all of these stories, that, that big fallout, as you say, you know, I'm not the only person who saw a distinct change in my drinking over COVID. I'd just be, I'd be so fascinated to know if this is, you know, mm-hmm. more widespread than people people realize. Because a lot of people were scared, you know, when we were sent home from work in COVID, there was not me, but there was tears. You know, people were just like, what does this mean? And right. in New Zealand, we were the last ones 
literally the last country um, I think to get it. So we'd seen, you know, the, the bodies um, on the streets in New York. You know, we didn't know what. Yeah, it was kind of it was both the benefit of foresight, but also a lot of fear came with that. So you know, people were drinking because they were they were scared. Yeah. They were really scared. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit because um, yeah, thirty days. I want to know. Let's see. What do, what do we want to talk about first? The great <laughs> benefits that you're noticing, or yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about your struggles? I'll let you pick what order you want to talk about these things in, but I'm dying to hear what's come about in these 30 days for you. Yeah. Um, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go positive first. Okay. <laughs> um, I have, uh, I don't think I've experienced this pink cloud thing. Um, but I have definitely um, seen some physical physical changes. So I've dropped a little bit of weight. Um, and I know that's not normal for everybody. I'm actually training um, the Oxfam Trial Walker. It's a big walking event um, in March. So I'm kind of I'm out and I'm walking. Um, and I think um, I actually suffer from melasma. It's a hyperpigmentation um, thing that happens um, on your skin. I've seen that decrease significantly, which oh, is wow. super interesting. I was googling it last night. Um, I'm wearing makeup now, but it's quite it's quite pronounced on my cheeks. Um, I think alcohol was contributing to that, and I was getting laser treatments and all kinds of things. So um, it does seem to be something about where the, um, the pigmentation is. Oh, I'm going to completely screw this up. I'm not a doctor, but it was something to do with the liver, the liver processing alcohol. It's the same place where your kind of pigmentation sure um is from so yeah that's a huge benefit for me because that's been you know i get really self-conscious um about that um and i've i've heard this is both a blessing and a um and a problem but all this time i have all this time and it's summertime in, in new zealand here so i'm out walking the dog in the evenings i'm reading books again i'm doing all these things that i've just kind of had shoved to the side because they give me their glass of wine down my face so that's all been super beneficial. Um, but I think my most um, exciting day was when we did have our friends that come up from where we used to live that passing through to go to a concert. And um, they were, they were heavy, I shouldn't say heavily drinking, they were drinking. <laughs> um, and I didn't. I got through the night on alcohol-free wine and by about 10 p.m. I just wanted a cup of coffee, so I did that. But I still totally myself and had a really great time with them. So I pretty much had to punch the air before bed. I'm like, I can do this. This is amazing. Yeah. And it was a pretty big, um, big milestone for me. That was just before my 30 days. But yeah, I, I felt, I felt amazing. So that those are all the, the positives I can think of. Oh, and my clarity, my head fuzz has gone in my vocabulary. Like I was really, I'm starting to worry. Was it menopause? Was something happening? Because I'd like point at the phone and kind of, you know, can you pass me my, you know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> my my vocabulary is just going down the toilet um, and it's, it's coming back. I swear to God, it's coming back. I feel so much more articulate and more confident when I'm speaking to people. I'm not going to struggle for my mm-hmm. for my words. And I, I really do believe that's the alcohol brain fog leaving my body. I do too. Absolutely. I, I feel the same way. There was a time where, yeah, and I would black out. So that didn't help either. So I really know that there was some damage going there. Like if you're blacking out, you're really taking it too far. And it's like such a huge thing to remember everything the next day. (laughs) That's the scariest thing when you wake up and you're like, 
how did I get to bed? Where is everyone? Did my daughter get to bed? Like, it's the worst. And then, yeah, like not being able to form sentences correctly, even when I was sober, because it was just so burned out, you know, like, like you said, I'd go to, yeah, I couldn't name something. I know exactly what I'm looking at, but the connection was just lost. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always just thought mom was being, you know, tired or yeah. dumb. Yeah. I think it was funny. I'm just like, no, you have no idea. This is so frustrating. frustrating. I should be able to form my words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, those are great, especially the condition, the pigmentation condition getting better. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so pleased. Um, it, it would save me thousands of dollars. Oh, I'm sure. If it actually um, solves it. So, you know, that's um, having something that physical changing um, is, yeah, that's a benefit I just really didn't foresee. Wow. Yeah, I don't want to get people's hopes up if it's not the same for them. It, it could, you know, right. be unrelated, but I, I, yeah, I have really noticed that. But it's good to know, right, that there's a possibility if they're, you know, they could take a look at their relationship with alcohol. It doesn't hurt. They could take yes. 30 days off. It's always going to be there if they want to go back, right? That's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's point. <laughs> It'll be waiting for you. Don't worry. It doesn't, it's not going anywhere. For... <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so let's hear about the struggles. The struggles. I um I kind of mistimed. I mistimed this. Um, although I was, I got out of Christmas and we were drinking very moderately. I was very proud of myself over Christmas, but it was kind of that um obsession. Like if I had two, I could put down the drink. But I was thinking about that drink for the rest yeah. of the night. That, that pissed me off. Anyway, but um. We got through New Year's Eve, no problem. We just went to a neighbor's house party and I had water. I hadn't met them before, so I, I wanted to be together. Um, I didn't want to be drunk or meeting new people. Um, and we climbed a mountain and got a mountain here yeah, the next day. So that was fine. Very quickly in January, my whole family, so my two teenage boys and my husband, um, left. He had work back. He works back in the city. Um, they went up for 10 days. 10 days for me is a devastatingly long time. That's a really long time. <laughs> really long time. And I've mm-hmm. got a beautiful dog, as I can see you. Yeah, <laughs> he needs attention constantly. <laughs> so does my girl. We were um, we were walking like three times a day. I was trying to jump on this, probably why I lost the weight. I was jumping on the treadmill. I was, I was going to work. I was um, trying to busy myself. I did paint by numbers and diamond art and read books. And but it wasn't enough. I was so... <laughs> I mean, talk about it, my reasons with loneliness and boredom. Ten days on your own when you're newly sober was was tough. Wow. Um, in the same breath, it drew me to sober Instagram, and I, I joined um, sober Kiwis on Facebook. I just kind of reached out to the community who was, you know, so supportive. I mean, they talk a lot about the sober community being amazing, but they, they really have been. Um, and podcasts. Oh my god, I listened to three or four podcasts. <laughs> just completely consume the sober world um so yeah it was it was tough and um you know by the time they got back I was really um playing the fire around moderating again I was just like you know I've done 10 days you know (laughs) I have I really given moderation a go you know I'm sure um you know yeah it was just this little nasty Mm -hmm. moderation devil on my shoulder just like you know I don't think you really gave that a go you know Helen you know maybe you should just not drinking the weekdays that was your main problem you were feeling dusty getting up for work maybe just drinking the, the weekends and things but 
again, listening to so many podcasts, so many helpful podcasts with people who are just like moderation just doesn't work. And I think back to Christmas, even when I was moderating and drinking well, I was drinking with my parents, you know, one or two drinks a night, not nothing over the top, but that obsession, that complete preoccupation with alcohol, that's my devil on my shoulder. It may not mean I reach for the alcohol, but it yeah, it consumes me. I'm just I'm sick of that um that preoccupation with it. It's just yeah. it's boring. It's so boring. Um yeah, so I yeah, definitely that that moderation and trying to beat the boredom were have been super big challenges um yeah. for me. And I thought it would go away when the boys all came home, but I didn't necessarily <laughs> Because you get all this time back in your day, so I'm still trying to fit in like the new, the new routines and the new me. Like I don't, I don't really want to go running on the treadmill every time I feel bored. You know, I've still got legs and muscles and I need to look things. So I'm just trying to find things that I like to do that aren't too naff. I said to one of my girlfriends, I might take up pottery, and um, which is to- I, I would, lo- I would love to take up pottery. She laughed at me. She thought I was being a bit, a bit of a grandma, but. Um, I might just have to embrace the grandma. Like I think there's some really cool hobbies out there that I haven't explored yet and could be super fulfilling for me. Well, and I think something like pottery is great because, yeah, you can, it it makes you focus on an end goal. It makes, like, when you, for me, if I create something, right, like there's, something to show for my work at the end. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that's the reward in itself. And I think when we're chasing alcohol, we're chasing a reward as well. Like the end goal is to be numb. And so things that kind of give you a a dopamine rush, but a healthy one, a more, Mm -hmm. a more sustained one, one that's going to last longer than the one we get from alcohol. So yeah, Mm -hmm. things like a hobby, like poetry, pottery would be great You know, I found for me personally, I've always wanted to strength train, but I never had the like the courage to do it or the confidence to do it, mostly because of alcohol. Like who can Mm. strength train when they're hung over all the time? And so that was the first thing I did when I decided to get sober is like, I'm going to focus on that. And that gives for me, gives me that dopamine that I used to chase with alcohol because yeah, it can get really boring because you end up with a lot of time on your hands. You don't even realize how much time was spent drinking, thinking about drinking and recovering from drinking. Like it's the majority of your day. And I remember that realization early in sobriety where I was driving down the road and I just thought, oh, I need to get, like, there was always a rush when I was a drinker. I need to get home by this time so I can settle in with my drink. And I kind of, my mind started going there. I was like, no, but we don't do that. So now what am I going to do? I have all this time, you know, I remember that realization happening and it's just, it's such a free feeling to know that you just gained all this time for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, I'm not, because I'm early days, I'm not trying to try and smash too much into my life. But I've been thinking about learning te reo Māori, which is um, New Zealand's um language or you know maybe picking up the guitar or I love to sing and just trying to get back you know like think about Helen before she drank is probably you know I was was a huge sports person and really creative and I was just yeah I want to find her again I think she was pretty cool (laughs) you will find her again (laughs) that was exactly the way you just said that's exactly what happened for me yeah I started drinking at 14 and 
completely lost who I was. And when I quit drinking, like she came back all those things that she loved to do. I, I have found a way to do them as an adult, you know, like doing the podcast and things like that are all things that she would have done. And so it's amazing. And yeah, you, you're, you're 30 days in, you are on the right path. You got through 10 days alone. Completely alone. Completely alone. I mean, just the momentum and strength that had to have come from that, just because that's what it is. Every time you push yourself through a hard situation that you don't think you're going to be able to get through without drinking, it just, there's like scales, right? And it just like adds to that side Mm, of the mm. scale for sobriety. It just adds to that. So yeah, I mean, it's not easy, but it's rewarding. It feels good. Yeah. I, I have noticed, though, that I'm being very coy on um, telling people. So those those 10 days I had told my family, particularly my youngest, um, who's 13, I was like, yeah, mommy's not going to drink while you're gone. And um, he was just like, mm-hmm. so he doesn't really give a shit. Right. But because I had told him I had someone I wanted to be accountable to and I yeah. wanted to feel the sense of pride when he came home, like, no, didn't, didn't even, didn't even think of it. Complete blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I just have noticed, you know, my my Instagram that I set up is just for like it's private. I don't really, I'm not ready for people that I know know mm-hmm. to um, to hear this yet. And I, yeah, I'd be interested. I mean, when did you start to tell people, and did that kind of help? So, I actually I got sober the day after Christmas. I didn't really see a lot of people. Everybody was busy with their own families doing their own thing. But when January hit and we all started hanging out again, because we had a group, a group of friends and we all drank um, together. I just told everybody I was doing dry January because I wasn't ready. I knew it was going to be more than that, but I wasn't ready. Like you said, I just wasn't, I think what it, what it was for me, was, I was worried that if I told them it was going to be more and it ended up not being more. I don't like to fail. I'm very competitive. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. So I was like, if I don't tell them and this does, you know, and I can't do it because I didn't know. I didn't know if I could do it. Um, but then as I got more confident, so going into February, so it'd be about where you are now, I just decided I'm like, I just started telling people, the people closest to me that that knew me well. Um that, yeah, I think I'm going to try to do this for good. Like mm-hmm. I feel, I feel good. I I just, I feel like I've tried quitting before doing dry Januaries and I always went back to it, but I knew, and I also had a kind of mental health wise, my anxiety was really, really bad. And I did the research and I figured out that the alcohol was not helping, which is what I thought I was doing by drinking. And I needed to see that through. I needed yeah. to give it enough time to run its course and see if it would help my anxiety. And about day 60, I was no more anxiety attacks and talk about freeing. Cause there were things I wouldn't do. There were places I couldn't go. And if I did, it was just awful. Um, so yeah, I think you just kind of got to go with like the flow, you know what I mean? Yeah, like when you're ready, yeah. cause it's your sobriety. This is your mm-hmm. thing. It's very important. You got to, you got to put it first before anything yeah. else. And yeah. 
you have, I've, I mean, I've told people that as well. Like they'll invite me to go do something and I know that I don't want to be around. I know that it's going to be a big drunk fest. And I have a really hard time being around people who are extremely drunk anymore. I I worry about their safety. I worry about them and I just don't want to be around it. And I will just tell them my sobriety comes first. I love you. I would love to hang out. But in that situation, I, it's not in alignment. And you know, do people have, are there people in my life that have a problem with that? I'm sure. I mean, they haven't said anything, but the absence of them says enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. good. Yeah. I was I'm kind of wondering whether I hadn't told people because I'm scared of that accountability and it's kind of an mm-hmm. early days hang up. Um, but I think like you say, it kind of, it needs to, it needs to happen in my own time. It's kind of part of my own strength. And, um, I think with my 40th birthday, because I have invited quite a few people from my old town, like lots of friends are coming. I'm so excited to see them. But they'll, they'll be drinking. And I'm actually a bit concerned they're going to bring me wine as a gift. When's your birthday? <laughs> it's March, early March. My birthday was in April. Well, okay. it's in April. And, and yeah. yeah, it was, I, I, I was still in a, in a phase of, I can still hang out with everyone and not drink. Don't anybody change what they're doing for me. I'm fine. And so we went to dinner and there was a lot of drinking and it actually um, was really hard for me. Oh, I felt oh. really alone. Cause I'm like, this was my birthday and we're celebrate. I'm celebrating with people. They're drinking to celebrate me and I'm not drinking. Like, I don't even want to be here. Like, this isn't fun. Oh. Like I should have picked something else, but the time I was still trying to keep everyone else happy around me, which is like all part of my story and my unraveling and my sobriety. And like, there's all these things as you get further along that happen and, and it's all about confidence. You start to just get your confidence and that's when you'll know, you will know when you're ready to tell certain people because you will feel confident enough in your sobriety and in yourself to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got a little time before March. I do, I do, and I'm I'm kind of having this lovely time discovering all this alcohol-free mm-hmm. drinks. You know that we've um we've only got a really small supermarket down the road, but they've got a whole um wall dedicated to alcohol-free wine. Not I don't really love it, but they also have these um like they call them dark and stormy and alcohol-free gin and tonics. Like there's so many options. So even if I'm not ready to tell people, I can still have a glass and feel and look like I'm participating. I don't have to give up my sobriety. For an event like that and I think maybe it's the 30 days but just these small milestones every I think I'm getting more and more confident that that's okay I think I'm pretty sure I can get through a night like that um and I'll, I'll tell my husband <laughs> it'll have to be like my bodyguard between me and yeah. I don't know I, I'll be I'll be stronger than that by then but yeah I'll be accountable to him and we'll make sure it's fine yeah I'm, I'm feeling less and less stressed about it as every day goes on yeah you will that's a lot of time. I mean, think about how good you feel now. I mean, when people say this, they're not kidding. It gets better and better and better and better. And I can tell you that being awesome. a year in, like your life is about to get so good. Like You're going to yeah. do things like you never imagined you could. You're going to have the confidence to do it. You're going to have the head on straight to accomplish things. It's so life-changing. It really is. I'm so excited yeah. to like watch your sobriety unfold and all the things that you discover and yeah. do. it's going to be so cool 
Cool. Yeah, totally. Me too. And I think, yeah, I mean, I, I will be so excited my one year anniversary and I just, yeah, this is, um, this is good things. This is really good things. And as I say, like if I can just kind of discover my, the old me, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to want to go back to that couch dwelling piss head. <laughs> <laughs> I was finding myself turning into, you know, she was, she was no good. Right. She was boring. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't you. No. The real no, is coming out. For sure. Well, this has been awesome. Do you have anything else that you want to add? No, I don't think so. This has been really fun. Thank you. I think, um, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, Steph. I think your your oh, podcast you. and other podcasts I've been listening to is so inspiring. I really, really enjoy it. And it's such a lifesaver. I mean, I'm not sure if other people spend 10 days completely isolated at the start of their sobriety, but, you know, yours yours and others were ones I just were my go-to. I just needed to hear other people mm-hmm. doing this and being successful in this. So thank you. Well, that means a lot because that's exactly why I do it. I got on sober Instagram, which then led to being exposed to the world of sober podcasts. And I did the same. I, I listened to podcasts anytime. I just felt like no one around me understood what I was going through. And when I finally was confident enough in myself and I was like, I have to give back to this community somehow, they, they got me through one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. So that's why I do it. And you know, I just, I'm always like, if I can just help one person get through and just for you to give me that feedback that, you know, my podcast was part of those really hard 10 days for you. Like, thank you for letting me know because yeah. it makes me feel so good. Gosh, yeah, no, I'm pleased. And thank you so much. I got, I got a lot out of today. I got a bit of advice and good. support. So thank you. Good. Well, I'm here for you anytime you know where to find me. Okay. So. All right. Well, you enjoy your Tuesday. I'm going to finish up my Monday. (laughs) Oh, good. Hey, thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at thisisstephsober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.